0: so good to be here cindy's doing so much better yeah she's walking with crutches now and able to drive so uh she's doing much much better thank you so much for your prayers because and the the uh, the food that many of you brought and to help out with you know not having to cook and stuff like that it's, it's been such a blessing and and um it's just she had minimum pain it's like amazing so it's really the prayers have been answered it was awesome Improving quickly, faster than the doctor expected. They they can't believe she's driving already, so... Yeah, so it's awesome. The torn ACL is a big deal. I had no idea. And also, uh, John and Kathleen Chiaro that come here from time to time when they're not doing missionary work, traveling and all, but um, Daniel just told me that John had emergency heart surgery last night. And John called, uh, or Kathleen, his wife, called and asked us to really pray for him this morning. So let's pray for John this morning before we start. I don't know if you know them, but it's the sweetest little couple that usually sit right about there. Uh, John and Kathleen Chiaro, really cool, just awesome saints. So let's just pray for them right now. Heart surgery last night so that God will be with him. They'll have good success in that. Thanks, saints. Lord, we just thank you for John and Kathleen. Thank you that they called to ask for prayer. We pray, Lord, that they would know your nearness in a manifest way. Lord, we pray that they would know your love toward them in a manifest way. That they would be comforted by the Holy Spirit. We pray for healing. We pray for the the spirit of God that is inside of John to quicken his mortal body. Thank you for the power that is within John is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Thank you that you are in him and he is in you. God is in John, kiero And we can rest that God is inside of John no matter what he goes through. Like for all of us, it's so cool. A new covenant that has brought God and man together as one. Amen. Just bless their family now, Lord, we pray. We, we join in prayer We in agreement by the Spirit. Great power is in agreement. We believe. We believe that you are with him and that you are able to do all things, even exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works within us. Thank you, Lord, for blessing John and Kathleen and raise him up. Strengthen him, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to thank Barbara for sharing last Sunday. I called her like a last-minute thing. Uh, Still needing to be with Cindy to help Cindy out. Really appreciate Barbara and, and Ken that speaks from time to time. You guys really appreciate the help. Um, what I thought I'd share this morning is we, a couple of weeks ago. Hey, Billy. Good to see you, bud. Um, a la- couple of weeks ago, we shared about... And we, we entitled it The False Doctrine of indwelling sin in the believer. It's on the website now, the the false doctrine of indwelling sin in the believer. And I'd like to do this one, Daniel. Let's call this part two, the false doctrine of indwelling sin in the believer, part two, because there's a lot more that needs to be said about that, I think. Also, pray for me this uh, next Sunday. Clark asked me to preach for him next Sunday, November 7th. He's going to be out of town ministering. And I think if the Lord... I'm going to share some of this with the whole body about understanding this aspect of the of the revelation of Christ and the finished work of Christ is this whole aspect of um, sin being in our body in our members the power of sin in our members which the Apostles wrote a lot about which you rarely hear taught or explained and our, our understanding. Another way to say it is understanding what the flesh is because we talk about it. We, we talk about flesh and spirit, but really understanding more about that so we can have clarity on that. And the, uh, the, the Acts 5.20 says that, it's a, I love this verse. Acts 5.20 says, the angel appeared to, um, I forget which apostle it was. It might have been Peter, but the angel appeared to one of the apostles and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I think it was when he just released him from the prison or whatever, and and the angel spoke to him, and he said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Awesome statement by the angel. Acts 5.20. And... All the words of this life is, a, is another way of saying that the Spirit has been given to us to show us all the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit and all the words of this life are the same thing, just said differently. The things of the Spirit are all the words of this life. And it's like pieces of a puzzle The things of the Spirit um, are like pieces of a puzzle that come together where we have a a complete picture of of the work of Christ. One of the things of the Spirit, which, by the way, is one of the keys to walking in the Spirit. Romans 8 says, we walk in the power of the Spirit, and the Spirit puts to death the deeds of the body. The apostle, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle, wrote it that way. The Spirit puts to death the deeds of the body. Body, Not the deeds of the old man. The old man is dead. The the apostle wrote through Romans 8, the spirit puts to death the deeds of the body. Because the power of sin is in the body now. And it's not your old you either. It's the power of sin, the mystery of iniquity that still works in this creation. That which is of this creation, the body. So, the spirit gives us, reveals to us the things of the Spirit. And to walk in the Spirit, one of the keys to walk in the Spirit, Paul says, is to have your mind set, mindset, a mindset, on the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the things of the Spirit is life and peace, okay? So the words of this life, which is life in Christ, and the things of the Spirit, one of the key pieces of this puzzle that helps us see with clarity Part of the truth that Ephesians says, speaking the truth one to another, we are built up in Christ unto the fullness of the statue of the Son of God. Speaking the truth in love one to another, this truth, this beautiful, awesome work of God, understanding the manifold grace of God, like a beautiful diamond, the facets of his work. One of the pieces, one of the shiny aspects of this work is to understand this issue of sin in your body, but not in you. You see it? It's important, it's imperative that we have this piece of the puzzle. Because, first of all, some people will race in their thinking and they'll think, well, he's just trying to say that we can just sin all we want and whatever, then we're not saying that, of course. As Paul said, you know, they came to him and they said, well, when I hear this message you're preaching, Paul, it sounds to me that let's just go sin that grace may abound. And Paul says, no. And I'm sure this group is not thinking that. But, But what happens with the enemy tricks you into thinking, oh, no, no, you can't go there because that will lead to this. And it's hiding an awesome piece of the puzzle from you. Because we're not saying, we're not leading, we're not going to the place where we can send all we want. We didn't come to God so we could send more. You don't have to come to God to want to send more. If you want to send more, you know, you just go out and send more. People don't come to Christ so they can sin more. They come to Christ because they're drawn by his love. They want to be free of sin. They want to be free of evil, free of the flesh, free of darkness. They want the light. They're drawn to the light. So don't let, don't let that come up. Also, you may, um, you may be thinking, well, am I saying that the, that the body is evil? And that's not true either. I'm not saying the body is evil. For the scripture says Christ... God, the father, thou has prepared for me a body. See, he was incarnate. The word incarnate took on flesh and blood. So flesh and blood and the body itself is not evil. It is the creation of God. God made Adam. So the body itself is not evil. And that's one of the eras of the early church. They got into this era of the flesh being evil, the body being evil. And that's why they said, no, no, no. Christ could not have come in the flesh because matter is evil. That's the Gnostics teaching. The body is evil. So Christ obviously didn't come in the flesh. And and John answered that question and said, he said, if any man said that Christ did not come in the flesh, he's Antichrist. He did come in the flesh. He came in the body to come to be like one of us. But you notice you don't don't hear that heresy around here anymore. You know why you don't hear that heresy much anymore? Because we're not preaching the truth anymore. I'm going to do a study one day on how tracing heresy back to truth. You don't have the same heresies the first century had because we're not preaching the same gospel they preached. You see that? You start preaching that the body has sin in it and that's not the real me and you'll have all kinds of weirdness come out that they had to deal with. We don't have to deal with it today because we don't even preach that. You see that? You can trace truth back from heresy and see what they actually preached. Because we read that now in 1 John's letter. If any man say that Jesus did not come in the flesh, he is Antichrist. We say, well, duh. I mean, you know, but why did he he address that? Because they were preaching the whole thing about evil sin being in the flesh, in the body. And so they took that, the Gnostics took that to the... Not extreme, but took it and, and twisted it and said, well, that means that matter is evil. And that means that God did not come in the flesh. He, could, he must have been a phantom spirit or something. And that's what John addressed. You see? So when you and I start talking about these pieces of the puzzle, it's exciting. We're actually beginning to see what the apostles were writing about and talking about. And you also see how it got off into error and they addressed it. So we're not saying the body's evil. We're saying there's a power of sin that's in the body. That's why Christ had to be born of a virgin. That's why his dad could not have come from Adam. Because in the blood is the iniquity. It's in the blood. And the, and the father carries the iniquity. So the, the mother, Mary, could be a reciprocal of the, of, the, of the sperm, so to speak, of God. The seed of God without contamination from the Adamic race. That's why he had to be born from above. He had to come from above. His father could not come from this world. Isn't that awesome? But we were born of Adam and Eve, our bodies. We are contaminated. We were born, David said, we were born in iniquity. It's in our DNA. It's part of this body. Now, what God did was so awesome. You and I have either one or two views of the work of Christ. Whether you realize it or not, you have one or two views. They both cannot be correct. They both cannot be correct. So, and it goes to the heart of, this is the matter. The heart of the matter is the heart. It is this. We either believe that Jesus taught and accomplished a work such that He terminated the old creation completely, the old Adamic race, and raised a new creation by His work, by His death and resurrection, such that the new creation has a completely new heart without sin. Or, we believe that the work of Christ merely cleansed and forgave and imputed or imparted the Spirit of God inside an evil heart. And then the Spirit works within that heart to slowly change it and renew it and make it more Christ-like. Now, we either believe one of those two views, They cannot both be correct. We either have an evil heart as a born again believer (laughs) upon which the Spirit is working on to make us more Christ like, or we have a completely new heart, and the Spirit of God is revealing that to us, as well as all that Christ has done. Isn't that cool? And that, and I would say that maybe 70% of the church, that's a lot, but if I had to guess, and that's probably generous, I'd say 70% of the church have the view that born again believers still have an evil heart, and the Spirit of God is working in that heart, and generally the process is understood to be something like this Um, the Spirit detect sin there 's a sin detection process. Examine your heart um, there 's sin that is being detected by the Spirit of God, convicted by the Spirit of God, um, and then that process goes something like this, and you acknowledge the sin that 's in your heart and you get rid of it and you repent of it and there 's a gradual process by which that work is do- being done and you under the, under the canopy of god 's grace and no condemnation so that you can be better and better. And better, as opposed to the apostolic revelation and what Jesus taught of a radical, a radical change of the whole human race through His death and resurrection, which he which he communicated to John, uh, well, written by John, but to Nicodemus when he said, "Nicodemus, it's not a matter." of improving the old is what he's saying. You must be born again. You must become an entirely new person. And that's when he said, how can that be? And that's when he explained, began to try to explain the mysteries of the kingdom, this radical change that he would bring to the human race, a complete termination of the Adamic race and a beginning of a new race, no longer from below, but from above. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have become new. Obviously, the heart is part of the all. That's the essence of the all. All things have become new. a man is in Christ Jesus. Okay. And of course, this was prophesied. We've said this before. It was prophesied in the Old Testament that the day would come when God would wash us with pure water. The washing of pure water is a reference to the cross of Christ. That's how we wash is by death. And, and the prophet said he will wash us with pure water and cleanse us and put a new heart within us, a new spirit within us and make us new. David yearned for this in, in Psalm 51. He said, Oh, Lord, Blot out my transgressions. You don't desire sacrifices of bulls and goats and all this covering of sin. Blot out my transgression once forever. Create in me a new heart. Create in me a willing spirit. Prophesying in Psalm 51 of what you and I have now. And, uh, of course, Peter in Acts 15 says, when he's talking to that big meeting in Jerusalem, he said of the Gentiles who received the Spirit as the Jews. And he said, God cleansing their hearts by faith. Yes. Acts 15. And then Paul in his letters writes about the circumcision of the heart and how we're new in him. The true circumcision, not of the flesh, but of the heart. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. Behold, the new man raised in Christ. Okay? So, the new or this, this other way of seeing things changes everything as far as how we relate to God, how we relate to each other, how we minister to each other. Because as we said last, a couple of Sundays ago about this topic, the way to bring forth the new you, the way to bring forth the new me, is to nurture the new me. You feed it. You feed him. The new new me needs to be nurtured to be strengthened and to come forth. As Paul said, that you might be strengthened in your inner man. That the real you would come forth. That you would put on the deeds of the new man by being strengthened. The deeds of the new man come forth as the new man is strengthened. And how is the new man strengthened? It's strengthened by seeing the glory of God in Christ Jesus because that's who the new man has been made in the image of so the apostles isn't that awesome So the Apostle said, this is the new dynamic. It's not like the old dynamic of the law. Through the law came the knowledge of sin. The law reveals sin. And it reveals sin not so that you could get better and work on it and deal with it and improve. But the law reveals sin so you would stop trying to work on it and stop trying to be better and stop trying to improve. And that every mouth would be shut and you would realize we cannot do this. And so the new re- re- the new dynamic of the new heaven is a revelation of a new person, a son beloved of God. Holy, blameless Paul says, you are holy, blameless, beloved of God. Sons and daughters raised heirs, joint heirs with the authority of the son himself whereby inside of you the son cries ahaba papa daddy. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, see? raised up and so as we behold the glory of God in the face of Christ we are brought forth in a heavenly dynamic that we can't explain but we find our face shining as Moses's face began to shine as he beheld the glory of God that which we see is who we are and that who we are comes forth and we are it's not a self-conscious kind of thing it is something that happens in this heavenly way of God for his ways are not our ways his ways are different from our ways as the heavens are above the earth. Separate from man's way of trying to fix himself and look at sin. Who told you you were naked, God said. It's not his way. So. And, and it, makes, it makes heavenly sense. There's a heavenly logic to this. See, those who think that the heart is still evil in the believer... And let me just say this. The reason I titled this message the the false doctrine of indwelling sin in the believer and that last phrase is the key. Because there is indwelling sin in the flesh. There is sin in our members. But guess what? Which you already know, you are not your flesh. You are not your members. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. There's a dependency on him because he allowed the new to remain in the shell of the old. It's awesome. He allowed the new to remain in the shell of the old. He has literally separated you from your sin and my sin as far as the east is from the west because He has cut away, Colossians says, He cut away the body of the flesh and your inner man. He raised from the dead, being dead in transgressions and sins, joined to the flesh of the Adamic race. He, in a great mystery, cut away the body of the flesh and translated you from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son, raising you up leaving you in the shell but the power of sin remained in the members of the body but you are separated from that sin as far as the east is from the west because you the real you is in a completely different dimension it's called being in the spirit sorry for yelling you can't help but scream being in the spirit we see that, we, we, we look at that, we hear that phrase, being in the spirit, and we, we've lost the glory of that. You are in the spirit. Romans 8 says, if Christ is in you, you are no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit. Romans 8. That is who you are. This truth you're hearing right now. This truth is part of the puzzle, part of the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of your godliness. This is what you, you, the real you, feed on. And that's why you sense right now a strengthening in your inner man. Awesome! It's so awesome! And that's why we are so important to each other, speaking the truth one to another, encouraging each other, no matter what we're struggling with. Because we can remind each other that, yeah, I know, I struggle with that too in the flesh. In fact, I prayed for the Lord to remove that from me and, and, and free me from that struggle. It's almost like Paul's thorn in the flesh, thorn in the flesh, that, you know, he says, ah, my grace is sufficient for thee. Remember James Garfield? If they had left the bullet in the president, but they probed and tried to find the bullet, it was not the bullet that killed him. It was the probing that killed him. Leave the bullet. Leave the bullet. My grace is sufficient for thee. That's not who you are. You see it? There are some things that we struggle with. God allows things so that we live dependent on him. And there are some things he delivers us from that... When God brought, us into the promise, God brought Israel into the promised land, he said to Israel, I'm not going to drive out all the enemies. I'm going to leave a few. And I'm not going to drive them out all at one time either, he said. He said, when I bring you in the promised land, I'm going to drive them out little by little. He brought Israel into the promised land, a picture of Christ, a land filled with milk and honey. And he says, I will drive them out little by little to teach you to depend on me. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, proceeding word from me. A relationship is what I want. I just don't want a trophy. I just don't want a finished product, a relationship. So let's go together and let's do battle. Let's go into the adventure of life, knowing that I'm for you and not against you. And no matter what weakness you you experience, no matter what weakness I'm going through or feel, it matters nothing because that's not you. Lean on me. And then, little by little, he drove out the enemies, but he said, I'll leave a few. Lest Israel forget that I am their life. Isn't that cool? We see in part now, we prophesy in part in these bodies. We experience the weakness of these bodies. But we, in the Spirit... Can grow stronger and stronger in the invisible reality of our sonship, of our relationship, and see much fruit come forth from our life, much deliverance, much freedom, much unbelievable if we have the pieces of the puzzle together and realize that there is no condemnation when we fail, when we stumble. Because that is not who you are. Romans 7 is all about that. You know, Romans 7, Paul said, you know, I, I, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. The very thing I, I do, I hate. What is Who shall deliver me from this body of death? He said it that way. The Holy Spirit said, write it this way. Body of death. And then he, re- then he said, gosh, I learned. God taught me that even though the inner man wants to walk in the things of God because I'm a new creation. Yet I've, I learned there's another power. In my members. Members. Holy Spirit said, right, members. Not old man. Members. I realize, Paul says in Romans 7, there's a power in my members, in my body, that every time I want to do what right, this power that's in my members rises up and takes me captive. Who shall deliver me from this body of death where the real me can get out and live his life? And then he goes into the whole thing about Thanks be to God. Jesus has shown me that it's not a matter of me having the knowledge of right and wrong or knowledge of how to do it. It's a matter of him being my life. A revelation of the spirit showing us that to live is Christ. A mind being renewed and set upon Heavenly things, the things of the spirit, including this thing, this word of this life, that the sin has been quarantined in the body. And that's not you. As Paul said, I realized in Romans 7, it's not I that was doing this, but sin in my flesh. This truth does not lead to a place where you don't take responsibility for sin. That's another thing that the enemy will throw at you to block you from seeing this. This doesn't lead to a a lifestyle of where I'm not taking responsibility. I can just say, oh, the devil did it. or the devil made me do it. This truth, all truth sets you free. This truth reveals the real you to you. Because then you realize, wow. As James says, we all stumble in many ways. And when I did stumble, I realized that really isn't me. And you're able to be to encourage yourself in the Lord like David did and be strengthened by God's comfort and strengthened by the revelation of God to say, lean on me. I've not gone anywhere. I'm right here. I'm right here. I remember when I was sick as a child, my grandmother sometimes would, would come over and I had asthma really bad as a child. And, and I remember waking up and she'd be sitting by the bedside folding clothes right there. It was the greatest comfort to wake up and see my, gr- my grandmother folding clothes right there, right by the bed. That's how God is. No matter what we go through, he goes, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. That's not you. Come walk with me. I'll tell you who you are. I'll tell you who you are. Oh, beloved child, fair one in whom there is no spot, no wrinkle. I did it. I really did it. I raised you up in me, a new creation, to sit with me in heavenly places. That's where we are now. Fear not. Come. Run with me. Listen. Hear my voice. Hear what I see, what I say about you. The Lord says that verse in Ephesians is so good where Paul says that he took to himself a bride and she was washed with the washing of the word. And we hear that when you, when you have this mindset over here that the the believer's heart is evil, still evil and God's working on it. We have the, the, the mindset, and it's taught widely, and more than 70% probably, that the washing of the word is getting in the Bible. Getting in the Bible and washing that old evil heart with the word. Studying the word and washing that evil heart with the word, so you are gradually getting more Christ to become more Christ-like. Well, first of all, for about five hundred years there was no Bible. So too bad for the first five centuries of the saints. They didn't have the, the Bible to read to wash themselves. And they didn't have, and most of them couldn't even read. So, too bad for them, right? No, that's not what it's saying at all. The verse right above that, the washing of the word, says this He gave Himself for her. That word, the word, the message that He gave Himself for her. She is washed by that word, that message. Of the gospel. That's all he's saying. He gave himself for her. For God was in Christ. Reconciling the whole world unto himself. Not counting their sins against them anymore. He gave himself for her. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body. I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the word that washes us by simple faith. in that word, we're washed. And what's the next verse? That she would be without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing that that he has presented her to himself. Paul says, I know this mystery is great. But as a man leaves his mother and father and the two become one, so Christ and the church have become one. That's what Ephesians is saying. Not this gradual cleansing by reading the scriptures. It's so bad. It's so, it's, I see it as such a dark, depressing, false teaching. And, and anyone who has been under that kind of a scrutiny in ministry or teaching. In churches where they see your heart as evil. And they're working on you to get you more Christ-like. And they're looking at sin and looking for sin. Anyone who's been under that knows the bondage of it. And Christ is not glorified in it. Man is glorified. Because if you start improving, you're like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Why can't you be like me? And if you are not improving, but you want to play the game, you, you still go, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Even though I'm not doing it. And if you don't want to play the game, you go, I can't live it. See ya. Can't do it. And they leave. But the truth is, we all have the flesh. We all have the power of sin in our flesh. But we also are all righteous and perfect and complete in Him. And we all need Him. And we all look to Him. And we all encourage each other to see who we are in Him. The new inside the old shell. It's the truth that sets you free. And allows the life to come forth and, and bear much fruit. And there, there is a heavenly logic about all this. If you think about this, saints, if you have this view over here that the heart is evil in a believer and there's sin in the believer and you have to work on that and get it improved and so forth, then you, you see why they're into examining for sin, examining yourself for sin. You know, there's a verse in the Corinthian letter, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, why do you judge each other? Why are you judging each other's motives? He goes, I don't even judge myself. Isn't that awesome? He said, Why are you looking for sin in each other? I don't even do that for myself. He goes, I'm a new creation. I, I'm just going. I'm encouraging you to see who you are. And there's a place. There's a place where a brother or sister is walking in the flesh, and they need a word to say, Hey, bud, that's not Christ. That's not Christ. You need to repent, change your mind about that. That's not Jesus. But you don't search for sin in the flesh to improve this person. Why? Because if, that's, if this is true, that the, evil, the heart is evil and so forth, you see the, why they do that. But if you see this, all that is necessary to get here is not to know all about the sin in your flesh for no good thing dwells there and you will spend the rest of your life seeing more and more layers and layers in there. It's not a matter of getting to know the depths of your depravity. No. No, no, no. It is not about getting to know the depths of your depravity so you can appreciate the grace of God. No. Jesus did not teach that nor did the apostles teach that. That is not the truth. The truth is all you need to know is that it's not about your sins. I don't care if you study the depths of your depravity for forever. It's not about your sins. It's about seeing that you are a sinner. And when you see that you're simply a sinner, have mercy on oh me, Lord. I am a sinner. I am not perfect. I am not righteous. You don't have to know the depths of what's in there. That's a trap. You just have to know you need Him. That's it. That is it. And once you know you need Him, the thief on the cross says, We deserve this. Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. You think He understood the depravity of His sin, the depths of His. No, but He knew He needed Him. That's it. Not many wise, not many noble are chosen. God has chosen the foolish to confound the wise, the weak to confound the strong. This thing is simple. It's all about depending on him and looking to him. And when you realize you're a sinner, you simply say, Lord, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, save me. Lord, believe. Lord, I believe. believe. Forgive me. When you do that simple act of realizing you are a sinner... 1 John, it says, if any man says he has no sin, he's deceived. That's not talking about this believer over here. That's talking about this guy over here that says, I don't need a savior. I don't have any sin. That's what that's talking about. We've, done, we've talked about that forever. But that's, that's the verse that is, is about an unbeliever that never realizes that he's a sinner. But when you realize you're a sinner, simply see that you need Him, what happens is the miracle takes place. You become new in Him. The Spirit, God, counts your faith as righteousness and God is able then to raise you up and be both the just and the justifier of the ungodly. Now a new person has come into being. You don't go back to the old and search the depths of the depravity that He left in the shell the depths of the depravity he left in the body. The old man that is now dead because the new man as a new entity has been severed from the body. And the, the old you, the old person joined to the flesh was the old man. So when he severed the new or the, the real you, the invisible you from the body, the old man ceased to exist, remain, sin remaining in the shell. The new you now in the shell is now nurtured and strengthened and flourishes through a revelation of who the new is in Christ. Amen. You see it? Yes. So you don't have to go back there. No good thing dwells in my flesh, Paul says. C.S. Lewis said that verse. We, that, that statement he makes. We say it all the time. C.S. Lewis said that if you want to look for sin in your flesh, there's, it's like an onion. There's no end to it. And that's how men have control over other men. They stay over here and always, you're always coming to them to get better, to get improve and so forth. And it's just, it's, a, it's religion. It's sin management. It's religion. It's not the revelation of Christ. The revelation of Christ is, appears to be simplistic. It appears to be weak. It appears to be... Um, Um, something the uneducated would go for, um, the educated would say, "This is this is the this is the the deal, this is the real deal here, this is sophistication here." No, no, no. God says, "Nah, it's just David with a slingshot. It's me. It's me. God's ways lead." To his glory. That no flesh can glory in his presence. This leads to the glory of man. And self-righteousness. And control. This leads to a freedom. A glory to God in Christ. And a freedom in the spirit. And a love among brothers and sisters. It's genius. It's only something only God could pull off. And that's why God is God. Let every man be a liar and God be true. Awesome. Yes, sister. I appreciate sharing that because a lot of us have been Christians for years. Years. And when you read the scripture that says that he's coming looking for a bride without spot, wrinkled, or blemish, you're like, who is that gonna be? Right. I don't even I've been a Christian for years. I can't even detain that. That's right. I know. It makes people want to quit. That's right. That's exactly right. Because we, that's right. Because this way of thinking makes you look at perfection after the flesh. How you're doing outwardly. Paul says, look not at that which is seen, but that which is unseen. For what you see is temporary, but what you don't see is eternal. The body is dead because of sin, he says. There it is again. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit's alive because of righteousness. The body is decaying every day. There it is again. But the inward man is being renewed every day. See? So that's exactly right. And and I think I shared this with you a while back. I wrote a letter to Leonard Ravenhill years ago. I still have the letter, you know, Leonard Ravenhill awesome man of God I'm sure he's a great saint of God but he wrote this article about how the church is still not without spot or wrinkle it's been 2,000 years and we're still not without spot and wrinkle and I'm going please and so I wrote a letter and I said that is not what that verse is saying and and you would think he would he would get it you know 2,000 years we haven't done it yet we got to keep working hard work harder you know he's not coming back until we're you know, it's ridiculous. In fact, that verse doesn't even talk about the second coming. There's not even a mention of the second coming. It's, it talks about how he got himself a bride. But they immediately just... Their mind defaults to the bride must be the revelations or something. I don't know. But I wrote him a letter and I said, you know, that's... that's I, I don't think that's saying that. I think, it's, I think we are without spot, without wrinkle in the spirit because of the washing of the word, the word of the message that he gave himself for her. You know, not reading the Bible. You know, not... Whatever. So, anyway, this message is, needs to get out to the church so bad. There's so many believers that are giving up, or they, they live in this constant haze of guilt and condemnation because they feel like they're not, they're not pulling it off and not seeing the glory of the gospel. The glory of the gospel. Yeah. Or a book. I need, to write, I need to finish writing the book. This, this is a whole chapter. This could be an awesome chapter of just the whole thing about the power of sin in the body. Understanding the power of sin in the body. The Lord willing, I'm going to share some thoughts next Sunday with the whole body about this. The whole church. So, anyway. You guys encouraged? Yes. I am too. I am too. Awesome. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you so much. Help us to see these mysteries of the kingdom, these things of the spirit, these all the words of this life that we might live in freedom, freedom in the spirit for where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's life and there's peace. Lord, thank you for the awesome work you did. What a miracle to raise the new within the old, to leave the new in the old shell that we might depend on you and walk every day by you. Awesome. Amen.